0: You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and thank you for joining us on the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens, your editor and host. Before we start the interview, I want to go ahead and give a quick disclaimer. This interview was conducted some weeks back, and since then, a lot of developments have happened, both in the Middle East and in Europe. Some of them good, but some of them have been very tragic and frankly heartbreaking. I present this interview to you all so that you can take it, learn how to help those who are in the Middle East, especially our brothers in Christ, who are still suffering under the horrible, horrible treatment of the Islamic State, as well as the problems of war that are just going on. If you have any questions or would like us to explore this further, email me, editor at catholicexchange.com. Without further ado, we'll begin this interview. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Litchens, your faithful editor and host. Here today I have joining us a really a fantastic expert, humanitarian, and someone who has done a lot of great work for the Church. I have Mr. Kevin Hartigan here from Catholic Relief Services. He is the Regional Director for the Middle East, Europe, and Central Asia for CRS. He bases himself in Cairo, and that's where he's talking to us right now with whatever time difference. And today he's going to be joining us to talk about the Syrian and Iraq crisis, as well as just what we can do with CRS and with other Catholic organizations to help out. So, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Thank you, Michael. It's good to be here. It's our pleasure to have you. So to dive right in, Kevin, this month it's the fifth anniversary, I believe, of the Syrian Civil War. How has your work with CRS changed over time, and what, how has CRS's response changed since the refugee crisis happened five years ago? Okay, well, you know, we began, when the,
1: when the war began, the focus was really uh, on immediate relief for people fleeing um, into Lebanon, Jordan, Egypt, uh, Turkey, Mm -hmm. Um, Did a lot of food, water, sanitation, um, protection work for uh, women and uh, children who needed special care, handicapped. Um, And, you know, most of that work is with and through our Catholic partners in those countries. So Caritas Jordan, Caritas Lebanon, Caritas Turkey. As well as some of the religious congregations, the Good Shepherd Sisters, Sacred Heart Sisters, uh, the Jesuits, the Salesians. Um, Now, in the last couple years, as the crisis has um, gone on, we and our church partners have tried to turn increasingly uh, toward a focus on education and um, psychosocial care for the Children uh, among the refugees Mm -hmm. you have because, you know, with the passing of the years, um, the um, the missing, you know, this many years of school for so many millions of children is really becoming the greatest potential like enduring um, injury to this community from from the war experience. So we're trying to get as many children into school and preschool and like catch-up classes and tutoring and sure. what have you
0: as possible. So you really have a full-on community and really trying to help people bridge the gap from having to flee their homes and then now living in a refugee status, it sounds like. That, that's right. That's right. And it's kind of a natural
1: evolution of these crises that we first Mm -hmm. kind of address the most immediate needs and the refugees get settled down. And then really the focus shifts toward education, also to livelihoods where we can help some of the refugees find uh, work in their countries of refuge and um, and in some cases, uh, shelter and other kind of more permanent needs. But the education and the children are really the focus. Also, it's really take advantage of the of the charisma and the vocation of our Catholic partners in the region. Um, mm-hmm. The Catholic church plays a very disproportionate role in education in Lebanon and Jordan and uh, even in here in Egypt. Uh, and sure, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of skilled uh, people, a lot of educational infrastructure, also a lot of social workers. Um, so as a church organization, we're kind of uniquely well positioned uh, with the local Catholic agencies and local Catholic volunteers to address the needs of children.
0: If I remember the figures correctly, there's something like 4 million refugees who are living in the surrounding countries mm-hmm. around Syria right now. Mm-hmm. What are the conditions like at the moment? Well, they they vary quite a bit, but mm-hmm. most refugees are
1: living in pretty inadequate Conditions either very crowded into apartments and homes that they've either rented or been received into by host communities or in camps, which are deteriorating. Um, though I should say, we work primarily, we and the local churches in, the, in these countries work primarily with refugees outside of camps, um, which mm. is. Anywhere from eighty to a hundred percent of the refugees. Uh, oh my depending, gosh! Depending on the country, there are really no refugees in camps in Egypt or Lebanon, and only you know ten to twenty percent in um, in Jordan and Turkey. So we're working with people outside the camps, and um, and they're just you know just getting by um, in very very inadequate. Um, in very inadequate conditions. I should say we're also working with our partners in Europe uh, since early last year to assist the refugees that are moving through Europe from Turkey to Greece Mm -hmm. and then up up to Northern Europe. And and the conditions of those who are currently stuck in Greece and Serbia and Macedonia is also
0: very, very poor. What is the conditions? Uh, We hear sometimes about the refugee crisis as we call here in America, but what is the conditions of folks who are still in Greece and trying to make it into Western Europe? Well, the problem
1: right now is that the refugees were moving quite quickly through Greece and Macedonia and Serbia until the borders closed. Now there are about mm-hmm. 55,000 who are stuck in Greece and There the conditions. I was just there a few weeks ago. We're working with Caritas Greece and Caritas Athens. Um, Again, the Catholic Church very small there, but very active um, Mm -hmm. in in providing for the refugees. And the problem there is most of those people are in tents, like camping tents, but on concrete in in places like in the port area of Athens and up oh my gosh. near the border area where they thought they were going to cross, but are now essentially stuck. Um, so this is really inadequate, particularly since there is a majority of women and children yeah. among the refugees, you know, and one thing I think that is missed maybe in the media is that what's happening right now with the closure of the borders in Europe it is the massive separation of families. So a lot of the refugees in Greece are essentially the, the children and wives and daughters, uh, you know, and, um, of men who migrated in the fall. So you've got, uh, you had a majority of men during the, you know, latter months of 2015. Now you've got a majority of women and children. Many of them are the same families um and so you have people cut off you know from their uh from their husbands and fathers and what have you and you get a lot of women a lot of children who don't have um you know sanitary conditions they don't have uh you know water showers uh, baths uh you know and we're trying to address this with with the local church in Greece, we've set up some day centers where women and children can come in. Women can shower and bathe their infants and uh, whatnot. And um, and then we're also trying to find and rehabilitate shelters for the most uh, vulnerable people, for mm-hmm. you know, families with a lot of small children, elderly women, this kind of thing.
0: Oh, makes perfect sense. So that is something that we do actually – lose focus on is the separation of families. Is that uh, really a huge crisis right now in both the Middle East and Europe, or is that just really European?
1: It, well, no, it is throughout. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's hardly a Syrian family left that is uh, intact together in a safe place. Uh, most of these families, they have first elderly family members, they left back in Syria. You see very, mm-hmm. few, very few elderly people among the refugees. Most Refugees have their parents or grandparents still back in Syria and are in contact with them. They have some family members in bordering countries and then others who have moved on. Um, so, you know, often these families are broken in several
0: pieces. Certainly. And I, here's a question that might be way too long to answer, but I do want to know is, do you feel there's something that the international community, namely the Ur- Western Europe, the European Union and the United States could do to help these refugees? Well, I think we could certainly do more. And I think we certainly need to be
1: more welcoming, um, mm-hmm. a greater number, you know, and really, I mean, we need to really answer the call that Pope Francis has given us, you know, to uh, to Open hearts and to see the refugees as individuals, you know, as uh, and um, and and not to you know be afraid of them or vilify them. Um, and so, you know, and I think a lot of the again, a lot of our our local church partners in Europe have really taken the lead, been extremely hospitable. They really have responded to the to the Holy Father's call for that. And I know a lot of Parishes and dioceses in the U.S. and Catholic charities have taken the same approach.
0: And on that subject about embracing refugees, as most of our audience is is American, and, well, they get their information, as we all do, from American media sources. And so there tends to be a bit of fear, and I think it would be good to hear your side of it. Like, do you think some of this fear is justified? Do you think some of this fear is overreacting or maybe just needs to be played down a little bit? What are your thoughts on it?
1: Well, I don't know that any violence in the United States has been ever associated with Syrian refugees. No. Um, and, you know, of course, we accept very few. Um, so I'd say there's no evidence of that in Europe, you know, uh, as well. I mean, the, the the primary problems they have in all of these societies are people who are citizens and um you know, homegrown. And I'd say, you know, if you look at the border countries at Jordan and Lebanon and Turkey that have housed, you know, millions of these people now for five years, Mm -hmm. there is, there are extremely, extremely low levels of political violence and criminality that anyone can associate with these refugee populations. There was a lot of fear in Lebanon and Jordan and Turkey as
0: well. Sure, about the same issue, and it just hasn't been realized at all. And I that was my suspicion, and I'm glad to hear that very much. So, and another question: I this happened recently for our listeners, but there's been a bit of a ceasefire going on in Syria, and a broker peace that's being attempted right now by the State Department. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, again, I you know we're in touch with the local church there, and find that mm-hmm. the the bishops in Aleppo, and in, in all of Syria, you know of. Made a really strong call for peace and for the continuation of that process and uh, and for relief for the population of Aleppo. Um, yeah, I think you know it's just there's just a desperately urgent need for a peaceful solution uh, to the conflict, and uh, you know we just hope that that it will come soon. You know many of our Syrian refugee staff in the neighboring countries still have family in these places um, they're you know losing family members or hearing about tragedies every day uh, it's um, the fighting has been very intense mm-hmm. in recent months and particularly in Aleppo and, uh, and yeah I think we just have to all pray that
0: it ends soon Absolutely. So, right now, with everything going on, what would you say our Catholic Relief Services' biggest needs to help serve the refugee community?
1: Well, our biggest need is to to find more resources for um, the child-focused programs and mm-hmm. education education programs. Um, it's it's relatively difficult to find public funds for these. I mean, we've been very fortunate. We've had generous donations from a lot of American Catholics and diocese. There was a special collection for the Middle East uh, more than a year ago, but we're still using those funds. We have a a very generous donation from the Knights of Columbus for the education programs for refugees in Jordan. We've had um, generous donations, actually, I should say also from uh, the Mormon church, from the church of Latter-day Saints. They've given a lot of funds to Catholic relief services in this crisis as has um, the international, uh, Islamic relief organization from based in London, which is one of the biggest Muslim charities in the world. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. a really interesting gesture of interfaith confidence in, in the Catholic church to, uh, to provide this assistance. And, and sure. I think shows, I think shows how well respected the Catholic church is in the Middle East, particularly in when it comes to the provision of education, mm-hmm. um, so we benefited from a lot of these very generous donations, but um, but we you know the the needs are huge and um, and you know education is a yeah it's not it's not inexpensive so um, no. <laughs> so we are uh, and we're trying to expand it as as quickly as we can. We're establishing and supporting refugee schools in again in Turkey. We put. Uh, and, you know, in Lebanon and Jordan, we've got um, in the Catholic schools in Jordan and Lebanon that they're going two shifts. So they're doing a late shift after after the local kids. They do another whole shift of a school day for the refugees. They do tutoring and, and uh, um, on the weekends to catch kids up to their grade level. You know, kids who have been out of school for three, four five years. Um, and so it's it's a very intensive operation now.
0: It sounds like it, and wow, double shifts. Uh, that <laughs> Just hearing it sound it makes me exhausted. I just <laughs> want to say that, but I'm a very spoiled person. So, <laughs> Quick question on just about the Catholic Church. You mentioned in the Middle East and how it's received. That's a, something that is a great concern of mine and for many people here. How are Christians faring right now in the refugee situation?
1: Well, you know, Christians,
0: I mean, they're suffering mm-hmm. –
1: as as everyone is and you know sure, of course. We, we also have a very large operation in iraq you know in, a, mm-hmm. in northern iraq and we have a lot of christian beneficiaries there who fled Mosul and the Nineveh plain oh, and everything. um but you know i think what people should understand is there are a lot of christian victims of of the war but mm-hmm. i i think that what you know there's and there's been a lot of focus on that in the media but i think what's important for people to understand is that they shouldn't they shouldn't understand the church in the Middle East right now just as a as a victim or kind of a helpless Mm -hmm. bunch of people or a helpless entity. The church is extremely active, again, disproportionately active in assisting people and through this crisis. The inside Syria, you know, the Christians who fled Mosul suffer terribly. But what most people don't understand is that they fled to Christian areas and that they've been ass- assisted as have all the other displaced people from Mosul by the Catholic church. They've actually, the area that all these people fled to is a very ancient area of Chaldean and Syriac Catholic churches, dioceses and parishes. These are Aramaic speaking people. Mm-hmm. These have been around for a long time. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and the, and the population has been extremely welcoming. I mean, I Good. I know Christian businessmen up there who've had like ninety people staying in their in one home, you know, in one <laughs> oh, compound. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a lot of house guests for a long time. And oh my gosh. The, par- the parishes, the schools, the DICE, everybody, the all the parishes in Erbil, and the church and even even the parts of the church that were exiled from from Mosul. So for example the Dominican sisters, they had schools in Mosul. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. they you know had to flee up to Kurdistan they pretty much immediately reconstituted their schools and their institutions in Kurdistan to serve yes. to serve the population and and the catholic catholic charities of iraq is helping hundreds of thousands of people with with our assistance uh, and assistance from some of our european uh, sister agencies you know of whom about 20% are catholic which is about the percent of Catholics and the, you know, Christians in the, in the, uh, among the displaced. And so the majority are Yazidis and Muslims. Um, similarly in, you know, in, in Turkey, in Turkey and Jordan and Lebanon, the Catholic church is, you know, is serving, I mean, literally, you know, millions. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've, we as Catholic relief services have surpassed a million Syrians that we've served since the beginning of the crisis. And, you know, are and we are the, the biggest provider, but the um and much of that is again with with um the local church of those countries. But the fact is that the Catholic Church is, like I say, extremely active. In Lebanon, you know, the parish structure, the diocese structure is completely mobilized in the Maronite Church. And so, you know, when people think of Christians in the Middle East, they shouldn't think of people kind of cowering in a corner. Sure. You know, um, the they should be proud that the church is actually out doing a playing a really heroic role. And in in uh, in Syria too, you know, I think we've seen some of the tragedies of bishops being killed and of you know Jesuit priests being killed and things. But the reason those, those clergy are being are dying is because the the church and the clergy, the sisters, are extremely active in all of these war zones you know the um mm-hmm. the you know we see it from what just happened to the missionaries of charity mother Teresa's sisters in yemen the fact is that you know those sisters are all over yemen during this war nobody else is still there no other expatriates are still working in yemen it's only the sisters and, oh my and the same thing this is the mission you know those sisters are in aleppo right now they're in homes they're in all these places and uh and I think that's the that's the side of the role of the church in the
0: Middle East that people don't understand. And I agree. And that, for me, has been one of the most profound, hopeful, and humbling of things I've been able to read about in the news here. And also what I hear from our friends, either through you at CRS or from In Defense of Christians or other organizations, <laughs> is the amazing work and courage that people are showing in the Middle East to still bring the... To bring the good service, to bring the good news of Christ, and also help people where they are. It's unbelievable, actually. I can't even imagine staying. I mean, I get uncomfortable if the heat goes too high. I mean, <laughs> I can't even imagine staying in a war zone and still helping people.
1: Oh yeah. And and you know, the other thing is that the church is really reaching out as a as a you know, as an agent of interfaith tolerance and Reconciliation, again, like, say, in Iraq, the church is extremely active. Mm-hmm. Also, in trying to reach the Sunni displaced from, from Anbar, who are not being allowed into Baghdad, the church is out. We're supporting them. The Catholic Charities of Baghdad is out. It's a very dangerous situation, helping extremely needy Sunni Arab populations there. Um, again, like I say, all the other, the Shia, the, the Turkmen, the Yazidis, we went up there, and what you see is the local bishops. They have amazingly good relationships with all of these communities. They have, a, you know, and and mm-hmm. working. It's a real privilege to work side by side with them in these countries because they are so well respected all over Lebanon. Again, by the different communities um, here in Egypt, um, you know. So. You really feel that, you know, that again, the church has a tradition in all these countries of educating and providing health care to the entire population.
0: Yes. And so, for all of us here uh, who are listening in Western Europe, uh, our audience is mostly in North America, but for all of us listening, what's something that we can do right now to help with this situation, to help, you know, folks who are fleed from Syria or from other war zones and also help CRS in its work?
1: Well, you know, I mean, we we all, of course, we all need donations. And, uh, you know, always, (laughs) always, that's pretty obvious. But I think also, though, really, like, in our daily lives, really countering the kind of vilification of the other and, you know, Islamophobia Mm -hmm. and, and all of this kind of stuff and, and taking again, the example that we've got from our, from our, the leadership of the church of uh, reaching out and, you know, demonstrate kind of countering this, I'd say, you know, kind of um, xenophobic or nativist, uh, you know, uh, reaction, to the idea of uh of refugees and sure you know and to also and to realize that you know all societies go through this at some point you know and and we we are just very fortunate that it's not happening to us right now but it's happened to our ancestors all Mm -hmm. of whatever you know tradition you come from Uh, we're all we all come from a refugee background again as Pope Francis reminded people when he was in the US and you know you just have to help people through this period in their in their lives this war will end uh, and people will go home and hopefully we will have been able to you know to help them through this uh, this tragedy and it's a real privilege to do so Um, but I think that you know we can also you know people can Yeah, work to help welcome uh, refugees from wherever in their own communities. A lot of our, again, our sister agencies in Europe. I should say the other thing Michael Catholic Relief Services did this time, which we haven't done since the 1940s, probably. We actually provided assistance uh, to Caritas Germany and Caritas Norway and Caritas Austria. These are and this is poignant for us because these are churches that give a lot of funding two Catholic relief services in our work in Africa and Asia and the Middle East. Yeah, we get a lot of support. I think people maybe don't realize that, but CRS, which is the American, you know, uh, Catholic organization overseas, we're one of the only ones with, uh, with like a field presence in most countries. So we get a lot of donations and support from our European partners, particularly in times of crisis. And so this was a rare opportunity for us to reciprocate and give some support back to uh, colleagues in Germany for their extensive diocesan and parish uh, reception program now, you know, as they try Mm -hmm. to absorb all these refugees.
0: It truly is an international situation going on, and it's, again, wonderful that the Catholic Church and that Catholic Relief Services is able to do that. And my yeah. final question for you today, as you said, the war will be over. We don't know when, but I'm ho- I we're praying, and it sounds like there's a great hope out there. But what do you see as the biggest challenges in rebuilding Syria and also uh, Northern Iraq? Well,
1: I think the biggest problem is going to be the kind of lasting uh, sectarian mm-hmm. tension and suspicion and and fear. And again, I think that's where we have a big role to play and and I would say the church has a great tradition of, I mean, you know, we're, we've got a big interfaith program right now with the Coptic Catholic bishops conference and, mm-hmm. uh, and the, and the Sunni Muslim leadership and the, and the Coptic Orthodox church here in Egypt. Uh, we've got similar programs in the Balkans, um, in Lebanon after that war, you know, we'll have a lot of work to do in kind of, um, promoting
0: tolerance and promoting, uh, you know, forgiveness. Wonderful. Well, Kevin, thank you very much. If someone is listening right now and says, okay, I'd love to help. I have a little bit of money to donate to CRS and to help with the situation. Where can they find out more about Catholic Relief Services? At
1: crs.org.
0: Easiest website to remember.
1: (laughs) Exactly. crs.org. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you very much. And thanks for for giving me this time and uh, for the support and uh, yeah, thanks to all your listeners for the interest.
0: Oh, it's absolutely our pleasure. And thank you very much for filling us in. As I said, it's sometimes hard to know what information we should be looking for, what we can learn. And I think my biggest takeaway, Kevin, if I could just say this on air and on record, mm-hmm. is that you've given me a lot of hope in this situation. Because sometimes I think the media lives to scare me. But mm-hmm. So thank you very much for joining us and enlightening us, really. Oh. Thank, thanks a lot. And it, and it is a huge privilege to do this work on behalf
1: of the U.S. Catholic community.
0: All right. Well, God bless you, Kevin. For all of you listening, you can go to com. We'll have links up for everything you'll need, but crs.org is if you want to learn more. If you have a little bit to donate, it's a wonderful organization. I know folks who have worked with CRS over in Jordan, they do so much good. So please do what you can. It's much appreciated. Once again, this is Michael Litchens, joined here by Kevin Hartigan with Catholic Relief Services. God love you. Have a wonderful week.